Popcorn Heist is an interactive community of pop culture lovers that spans multiple mediums. We dive deep into TV shows and movies of the past, present, and future to bring you the hottest takes and the coldest truths. Do you have what it takes? Join the heist. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Popcorn Heist, the podcast. I'm Jake. I'm Nick. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back. Summer, summer movie. movie time. We're here. We're ready for summer movies again. You know we love it. Neither of us saw this one in the theaters, unfortunately. I did not munch out on popcorn. I actually went to 7-Eleven and got like the poppable movie popcorn, in, in, like the microwave movie popcorn, which you yeah. know is never as good as movie popcorn, but I wanted to simulate it. <laughs> But I also grabbed Chinese food, and then once I finished the Chinese oh God, food, man. I was not hungry anymore. So I didn't do the popcorn. After that. <laughs> I did not do the popcorn after, but I, I kind of only wanted to go to the theater for the popcorn and the experience and everything. But I didn't end up going. I stole your HBO Max account. Yeah, No popcorn is ever as good as movie popcorn for Nick. Never. Never. Nah. Um, but I feel like this movie would have been really great to see in theaters. Well, we can ask our our guest who we'll introduce soon. I know he saw it in theaters. So, uh, Nick, for those are people who are first joining us, uh, what can they, what, what should they know here? Yeah. So popcorn Ice is a brand that Jake and I started to share our love for movies and TV and kind of provide TV and movie content, uh, created by diehard fans. Popcorn Ice, the podcast, which you're listening to now is a show where we nerd out on all the franchises we love, like Marvel, Star Wars, Game of Thrones, Avatar, Disney. And in this case, DC, not a usual one, but here and there. Yeah. Uh, and we give our own unique perspective on, on all the different franchises. Uh, we release episodes on Thursdays. And if you like an episode you listen to, definitely give us a review on iTunes or, and follow us on iTunes or whatever streaming platform you're listening on. Uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention the pod, the other podcast on our Popcorn Heist Network, A Sims Guide to the MCU, where the relationships, romances, and bromances of the Marvel Cinematic Universe are discussed with our great friends Alyssa and Kelly. Uh, if you want more pop culture content like blog posts, rankings, brackets, and trivia on Tuesday, visit us online at popcornheist.com or follow us on Instagram at popcornheist. Hashtag join the heist. Hashtag join the heist. <laughs> well said. So yeah, like like Nick said, this is not a not a usual topic for us, but when it does come around, you know that we're talking about it because it, it was a good one, you know? So we're normally we're big Marvel fans. I mean, you know, so many of our episodes have been about Marvel. Um, but yeah, I, like I, our good friends, Alyssa and Kelly, we are big simps for the MCU. Huge, huge <laughs> simps for the MCU. Um, I'm, 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 I'm a simp here and there for for the DCEU. Uh, if you haven't guessed, we're talking about the Suicide Squad today. It came out this past weekend, and um, yeah, I don't know. I, I really, I won't, I won't say any of my thoughts yet. I, I almost, I almost went for it. I'm gonna hold it, myself back. Yeah, it's interesting because we don't discuss DC on this podcast a lot. I think this is only the second time, if I'm not mistaken. And the last one was about the Snyder Cut, which we kind of gave pretty positive reviews on. Uh, at least Jake and I did. Our guest kind of gave mixed reviews on it. Um, and this time around, I feel like this is gonna be a bit more of a positive episode as well. Um, definitely more positive than if we we had started the podcast back when the DCEU was putting out the original Suicide Squad and the original Justice League and and all that. 
Yeah, we, we don't. <laughs> those things, but we can later. I think it'd be a good idea to to talk about where this where the Suicide Squad ranks up against all the other DC movies. But yeah, I'd like to say I'm a DC fan. I mean, I love Batman. He's like up there with Spider Man as my two favorite superheroes of all time. I, and there's so many great DC characters. So I'd like to talk about it when we can. But you may have noticed if you're watching us on video that there's a third face joining us today. Um, we have guests here and there but we've never had a guest for summer movie time and he's going to help uh do the popcorn heist report card for the suicide squad today may i introduce louis tufano hey guys how are you doing thank you Good. very much for having me yeah thanks for being glad, here glad to have you on man glad to be here so i mean the first thing that people are going to notice if they're watching our videos your massive funko pop wall behind you i mean <laughs> Come on, man! You couldn't have you couldn't have scaled it down a little bit just to make me feel better. Next time, behind him. Yeah, I know he's putting us to shame. He probably has all of the ones we have and more. Uh, I will mention <laughs> not all of the p- figures behind me are. It, it's not my full collection. It's only some of them, um, but I have nowhere near the amount that Louis has for sure. It's okay. Yeah, this has we, been a crippling addiction for my wallet. <laughs> <laughs> worth it though. Come on, isn't it? Isn't yeah. it worth it? Yeah, it it brings a lot of joy. Yeah. So, I know you have a whole sort of business uh, uh, surround. Not really a well, yeah. You, you, I'll let you speak to it because you could speak best to it. Uh, tell us how you got into all this and Funkos and comics and DC and Marvel and all that. Yeah, so I have always loved superheroes, comics. The animated shows were really what hooked me as a kid. Probably Teen Titans, the original cartoon, was what really got me into it, and that led to me begging my dad to find me a comic book store because I was too young at the time and begging him to buy me as many Teen Titans as I could get. So I would read all of them and then I'd go back for more, repeat the cycle. But I didn't steadily collect until about 2011, right when the new 52 dropped. That's when I dove deep into DC and I kind of dabbled in Marvel here and there. I started reading steadily every number one that would come out, get hooked on the book and just follow through. So I was in it 2011 to modern day, but lately I've really been narrowing down my collection to mainly first appearances and key issues, really trying to find like the old important ones to give my collection that pizzazz. And on the Funko side of things, one day in high school, one of my closest friends comes up to me and says, hey, I've got two of these. You want one? It's like a bobblehead. I was like, oh, wow. Hulkbuster, that's awesome, <laughs> which is awesome. Number 73, what could the other 72 look like? And that led me down a pretty amazing rabbit hole all the way through Marvel. And since then, I've collected number one, Thor, from the movie Thor, all the way to modern day. Newest one I got was Gambit with a Cat, number 904. So it's, it's been a wild ride. And I've I've dabbled in the DC ones. What really turned me away from the DC ones and didn't spawn a whole wall like this was the fact that there are so many Batman. I love Batman, but you can't justify <laughs> 80, 90, just Batman. Marvel's got a little bit more variety. Yeah. I actually just sent Jake a Snapchat yesterday. I was in a 7-Eleven, and the only pop figures they had were Deadpool in a cake and... um 
another version of Deadpool. It was uh, it was LARPing Deadpool. Oh, LARPing Deadpool. It was literally the only pop figures oh, they yeah. had. There was no pop figure. There was a little mini pop figure display, and I was like, "What is this?" And it was just two versions of Deadpool. <laughs> Deadpool with a cake. Actually, I just recently did a giveaway on my Instagram. I've been having a little Instagram side thing going on. We just did a giveaway for the Deadpool with a cake. Gave away five of those. Everybody just received them, loved them. Great 7-Eleven exclusive. That's probably the reason we saw so many. I snapped you. I was like, I didn't know there was a 7-Eleven exclusive. 7-Eleven exclusive? Mm. I didn't even... They only sell their exclusives, too. Like, they don't sell anything else. Yeah. (laughs) The LARP one is not. The LARP one is just common. But they they probably stay niche with that. They've had a Deadpool exclusive in the past, too. Deadpool holding a chimichanga. That's Mm -hmm. a good one. So they they go real funny with Deadpool. Yeah, yeah. definitely. But the giveaway that I was doing was over on my Instagram. It's called King Louis Comics, and that's where I really get to showcase my important comics with Funkos that relate to it. So like I'll have first appearance of Harley Quinn with the Harley Quinn Funko, and I think it gives a really neat contrast to show where the character started to where they're at today. So if you like that idea, if you like reading like reviews, a couple of news articles that i got going on definitely head over king louis comics on instagram and see see what you like definitely give him a follow the page is really awesome man i mean you you also you like go in depth into like character studies and like what you feel about the movies and shows which it really like brings your page out so really like the content you've been posting man yeah thank you guys likewise by the way (laughs) oh thank you yeah uh just kind of like popcorn heist where we have uh polls and brackets uh on our stories, uh, King Louis, uh, his his page, you you have uh, some nice polls going on about uh, your yeah. Every every Thursday, I do a comparison of a Funko, the original, and then the newest one I could find. It's like Thor was the first Marvel one, so a Thor from the original movie, and then Thor from Endgame or whatever the newest one is. And then I like to see which one pleases people more. Uh, the Popcorn Heist fan base loves polls, so. Be sure yeah. to give Louis a follow. We do yeah. t- we do tons of polls. <laughs> you like polls, then come check me out. Yeah. <laughs> Two quick questions for you, Louis. First off, yeah. off the top of your head, do you know what's your most expensive comic book and uh, Funko Pop? So most expensive comic book currently, I believe, is Amazing Spider-Man number 50, the first appearance of the Kingpin. Cool. Nice. That was a hard one to find, and that's a beautiful cover. And my first, my most expensive Funko would be Loki number 16. There were only about 400, I think 480 of them made. It was San Diego Comic-Con exclusive 2012 for the Avengers film. Oh, oh yeah, I've seen that one. That's one very expensive. Yeah, that one's really rare. I've got that somewhere on my page. And second question is, what's your, your skill for finding these, like, like, what do you do to find these comics and these Funkos? Because... I, I see tons of like <laughs> exclusive ones online and then I can never find them in stores or anywhere else that they're selling them. Yeah, it's a lot of staying up to date on the newest news, setting alarms for when I know things are going to drop online. I've woken up at five, six in the morning for drops sometimes. I've had friends over with all of our phones on the same page, ready, refreshing for when the newest Funko drops. So the Funkos, lately I've been not buying the common ones. Whenever the common ones come out, I just won't buy them because I enjoy the hunt of going and finding them in the wild. The exclusive ones are a little harder. In the wild. Yeah. I like that. I like <laughs> the exclusive that. I like ones are a little harder, like Hot Topic. You could typically find them. The Walmart ones, the Target ones, that's where it gets a little difficult to find. 
out. You really need to buy those online if you want them. But the common ones, you could find any store that you find Funkos at. So I really like the idea of just going and finding them, keeping the habit busy. Nice. Yeah. I mean, you're speaking our language. Nick and I love going to a store and just hunting for Funko Pops. Uh, yeah, yeah. If you ever need a 7-Eleven exclusive, I now have a 7-Eleven around my block that's selling their, only their exclusives except <laughs> Larb Deadpool. So I could go grab you some. <laughs> well, that is great to know because my nearest 7-Eleven is like an hour away. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. So as I said, I love, love the content on King Louie Comics. Go follow them on Instagram. And TikTok, you said you're on as well now, right? Yes. Just started a TikTok the other day. We got, I think, two videos up right now. And I'm looking to get really interesting with the content we get there. TikTok's really, it gives a lot of different things that you can do that you couldn't do in just a picture or a quick Instagram video. It takes so I'm excited. Yeah. We've been, yeah. it's so delayed. Like we've been trying to get on TikTok. It's just the fact of like, it's a matter of get, sitting myself down and, and doing it, mm. you know? I, I have ideas. Nick has ideas, I'm sure. He's not as much of a TikTok person, but I kinda hate TikTok. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have to That's get into it, but <laughs> um but yeah, so we I knew I wanted to talk about this movie. Nick and I have been talking about several movies um for the past few weeks and I knew I wanted to talk about the Suicide Squad because James Gunn, you know, we're we're huge fans of James Gunn from Guardians of the Galaxy. But I was seeing your content recently. This past week, I was like, oh, it'd be really great to have a guest, a DC expert, because Nick and I are more Marvel people. We know more about Marvel than we do DC. And I saw your posts about each individual character and just explaining all your thoughts. And I'm like, oh, Louie would be perfect for this. I wanted, I've been trying to get you on the show for some time. And I feel like this is a great episode to have you on because you know so much. Um, oh, yeah, this that? I have so much to say about the Suicide Squad. So I am <laughs> thrilled because I don't think my girlfriend can take any more of my rants. <laughs> <laughs> i feel you there man yeah um so as you know for the listeners nick and i bonded over quotes when we first became friends movie quotes tv quotes celebrity quotes quotes that don't relate to anything at all just if a random person says a quote me and nick might pick it up and start using it all the time <laughs> <laughs> that is very true <laughs> yeah. but we pick a quote for each episode that relates to the topic of the episode sometimes it's not from the material but this one happens to be from the suicide squad it's from one of the more heartfelt scenes and honestly one of my favorite parts of the movie uh spoken by taika watiti's character rat catcher the original rat catcher during the final battle of the film against the villain starro and he leans over to a young rat catcher too, his daughter, after she asks, why rats, Papa? And he says, rats are the lowliest and most despised of all creatures, my love. If they have purpose, so do we all. And I just felt that was, it's such like a quirky, like James Gunn would come up with something like that. But if, the way he executed it during the final battle and the way he executed rat catcher 2's character, I came out of that movie loving her. And just loving her whole backstory. I loved Ratcatcher too, and I hate rats. I like <laughs> detest rats. So, I, but when Starro was being attacked by like a million rats, I was like, "This is awesome." But I was like, into Selva's character at first. I was like, "Oh no, not rats!" <laughs> <Can I laughs> Even Ratatouille. That Ratatouille gave do. me some major feelings. Right? It like, was. I, I don't. I don't want to admit how attached I got to that character, but that hit me hard. Yeah, definitely. That honestly, well, I want to get into it uh, when we get up to those topics later. But that was my favorite part of the movie, probably. Oh, yeah. yeah, especially the soundtrack. 
Can I tell you, I've yeah. been listening to that so many, many times the past few days. I think it's called Ratism on the soundtrack. Uh, the, sc- the instrumental score that they're playing as she summons all the rats is just like so good. Mm. And it gave me like kind of Tim Burton vibes. Like I felt like it could have came from a Tim Burton movie. Even my dad, I was watching with him for the second time. And he's like, this sounds like a Christmas movie uh, score, <laughs> which made it so like quirky and very James Gunn, very Suicide Squad fitting. Um, before we get into like all of our thoughts, I think it's worthy to discuss very briefly why this version of the Suicide Squad is such a big deal for those who maybe are unfamiliar with the first Suicide Squad that came out a few years ago. So it was being hyped up. Um, Louis, do you remember what was the last DC movie that came out before Suicide Squad? I think it was, was uh, the previous one, not counting the Snyder cut, I think was Wonder Woman 84 in December. Oh, God. No, no, no. The uh, the original one from 2016. <laughs> oh, that was... Before was that, that was Batman v. Batman v. Superman, I believe. Yeah, so we were coming off of Batman v. Superman, very mixed reviews, and the trailers for Suicide Squad looked dope. I mean... Awesome. Go back mm-hmm. and watch them. They looked, like, sick. People so excited for Jared Leto's Joker, Harley Quinn. It was going to be an awesome soundtrack, and it just seemed much different from the others. It comes out, and I don't know about your thoughts, Louis, but I personally... It's at the bottom of my list for the DCEU. No, that is that is a mess. Yeah. Yeah, I do not like that movie. I feel like that was one I was really excited for. And when I watched it, I was like, what? And it just got worse and worse as the movie went on, I felt like. Yeah. So it was a no-go for me. You, I feel like, and it kind of relates to Zack Snyder's Justice League because the same in the same vein that the studio and Joss Whedon chopped up Justice League and ruined Zack Snyder's vision, a lot of directors say this, but I you can tell watching the first version of Suicide Squad that the studio just completely mangled David Ayer's vision and like just put in generic dialogue, threw in all the pop songs, and mm-hmm. it's unfortunate. And you know he's still campaigning for the Ayer cut of the movie to come out, but after James Gunn was fired from Marvel for a brief period of time, DC snatched him up, offered him any movie he wanted to make, and they said you can make the Suicide Squad and we won't interfere at all. So. This is a big deal. I mean, and you watching this movie, you can tell that I feel like the studio probably had little to no notes on this movie and just let him do his thing, which is a beautiful thing when it happens. Yeah, I feel like there was a lot of weirdness in this movie that I was like, that's definitely all James Gunn. And I feel like studios, um, I hope studios are like realizing that the more freedom you give directors the more their vision will be a cohesive story that's like actually enjoyable rather than just like thrown together mess Uh, i feel like not just dc there's a lot of franchises in the last few years that have kind of chopped up movies and you could just tell that it's not what the like there's no way that someone thought this was a cohesive like how can anyone think this is a cohesive story while they're filming just these scenes so Um, I hope that that's the case, and I hope that this is a win for for all directors going forward. Definitely. Yeah, one thing that I would love to see, I know Marvel doesn't typically, they obviously have a lot to say with their directors, but they don't interfere to the point of upsetting them much. But one that I would love to see was Edgar Wright's version of Ant-Man. Yeah. That's one that we never got, unfortunately. Yeah. Nick, are you familiar? I'm not familiar. You definitely know Edgar Wright, though. He did Scott Pilgrim and um, Baby Driver. Driver. Okay, yeah. So he was signed on to do Ant-Man for like mad long, and then he didn't want to take Kevin Feige's notes. Because honestly, Marvel is at fault for stuff like like Kevin yeah. Feige is heavily involved in the story. But to something that where the 
the continuity is so tightly wound and it's so the story's so good you kind of need a kevin feige we always say star wars could have used a kevin kevin feige so yeah big time <laughs> but um yeah edgar wright just like couldn't handle he like kevin feige wanted him to set up certain things like about the quantum realm and he's like i don't want to take your notes i'm leaving so so is there a version that was taped or filmed i don't think so he he has writing credits on the movie so people are saying parts of the movie are still like his okay movie. yeah so it'd be hard and to have to that. tape a whole movie pretty much he's also got that great leaked footage from a comic-con years ago of the ant-man hallway scene i don't know yeah. if you guys have seen that i've seen that it, it's like the sketches like literally the storyboards of it right yeah it's awesome yeah. and i think a part of that made it is it, it's not exactly the same but it's pretty similar to the scene where he mm. jumps and runs on the gun and then like punches the guy in the face yeah it's it's pretty close to that it's it's pretty great yeah so long story short i mean i was really hyped for this movie because of james gunn and knowing there would be no studio interference and after seeing the cast i mean i don't know if you guys followed the cast announcement when he first announced it like i think last year or i remember comic-con i was like this is gonna be definitely my <coughs> so i was super hyped for it but the cast so, for the first one wasn't bad it's not the casting that's a problem. Oh, no. You know what I mean? I feel like I was still skeptical because I was like, um, they had really good actors the first time and it still didn't work out. So I was still skeptical after the, the announcement. Yeah. Louis, what's your... So I know you're you're a big Marvel fan as well but and you're a big DC Comics fan, but the DC movies, like what were you expecting from this? Were you just kind of tired of the previous ones? Do you like the previous DC movies? Well, I was I was nervous for this because it had so much potential. And I was like you said, the first Suicide Squad also had so much potential from the trailers. And after that, I think it was kind of a rolling thing where it would be up in the air. If it was going to be good, is it going to be bad? I'm generally positive on most of it, but there are the overwhelmingly unenjoyable ones like Suicide Squad, like a lot of parts of Wonder Woman 84. Birds of Prey, which is very divisive, I'm kind of I'm kind of on the more positive side for. But besides that, I've enjoyed most of it. Okay. Justice League, original Justice League. <laughs> yeah. Oh well, <laughs> <laughs> that one's kind of been out of my mind since March. I, I can't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nick watched the original just like the theatrical one, but and then the day after watched the Snyder Cut for the first time, both of them. So, oh, what an event that must have been. <laughs> going into the Snyder Cut, I was like, this is going to be torture because I cannot do that again. And I <laughs> loved the Snyder Cut. I thought it was awesome. It was so, it was yeah. just so different. It felt like a completely different movie. Literally, the first scene solved the huge issues that I had. But I'm not going to talk about that too much because we have a whole podcast on that. Yes, we have a whole uh, podcast on Snyder Cut and uh, a lot to talk about with the Suicide Squad. So, oh yeah, you guys ready? Why don't we just get straight into it? Let's uh, do it. Let's get it. Let's go round table, round robin. Um, just... Without getting too much into it, like, what were your general thoughts on the movie? Uh, Louis, you're the guest. Why don't, why don't you go first? Uh, for me, it was the highlight of the DCEU right now. I think it excelled pretty much everything else going on. And it felt like reading a comic book. It felt like to the page, to the screen. There we go. So it was the real joy just to watch as a comic lover. I agree. I could agree. I mean, you probably know more about the feel of the comics, but I could tell just by knowing what I've researched about the Suicide Squad and yeah. Yeah, very, very zany and colorful. Mm -hmm. Phenomenal. That's a that's one big thing. I, before you go, Nick, the color in this movie was just tenfold better than the original Suicide Squad. It was too, I don't know, like very 
almost like cyberpunk, like dark and weird colors, where this was like bright and zany in a good way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Nick, what what did you think overall? Thoughts? Yeah, I thought it was I thought it was great. I thought I really enjoyed it. Um, I do think that the first one they like tried to pull a Marvel and be like, look, we can be not dark, but then also tried to like give a plot that made sense, but also just did not land or make enough sense. And I think this kind of went full throttle. Like we're just going to do something really weird. Um, we're just going to do something crazy. We're going to throw as much color, as much gore at you as possible. And it just kind of worked. And like Jake said, it was, it was similar to a Tim Burton movie at times. Uh, it was very weird. I I'm happy they full sent it and didn't try to like give, it was like they were fighting a giant starfish at the end. How much, how much like, like it's going to be weird. It's going to be weird, but th- they embraced it. And I like that. Definitely agree. I mean, the first movie tried too hard to be guardians of the galaxy in a bad way, like mm-hmm. in the, in the wrong way. The studio mm-hmm. was like, let's throw in every single pop song we could think of. Like, let's put mm-hmm. Bohemian Rhapsody in here. Um, you know, like let's give them all weird outfits and generic dialogue and, try to make them family like i think yeah literally in the end of the movie el diablo goes like i, I lost one family i'm not losing another and it's just and so, you really don't feel it it's unbelievable no. it's you you don't feel it at all right exactly because they've literally been together for a day and just speaking <laughs> generic dialogue with each other whereas mm-hmm. this one like they didn't even have to say it and i felt like they were a squad together. yeah and you know what you know what scene really drives it home as compared to the first suicide squad you know in the first suicide squad i think they're also in a bar they're like in a bar and harley quinn's like serving drinks to everyone and they try to like all talk about their issues but it doesn't like it doesn't really land they had they like kind of separated it in this movie where they all talk about their issues scattered throughout the beginning and then they have that bar scene where they're all like talking and dancing you can't even hear what they're saying but you're like Oh my God, I wish I was there. Like, it, it, they just, they, they nailed the family more in this movie where, like, the end, some of the end scenes, which we'll get to later, like, actually surprised me that they didn't go full on, like, we're all family. But that's a whole thing for, for later. Yeah, I like that though. I think that if you go too much that they're a fam- family with the Suicide Squad, like, they don't really, they're villains and they don't yeah. really, really like each other. I think it was the perfect amount of like, we're family. I agree. Also, we're, we're villains that are like, just we were thrown together. Yeah. No, I agree. I think a lot of it is like, we're friends. We're going to get closer because if we don't, you might let me die. Yeah. Which does happen to numerous times. In the movie. <laughs> which I was surprised about, which I liked. Oh, yeah, yeah, I was very surprised about which we that's my next point that I want to talk about is uh, let's go around Robin and what are our thoughts? I mean, it goes straight into it. I love how this movie doesn't waste any time, goes right into the action, like no forgiveness. You know what this is about. It's Amanda Waller taking a f- advantage of criminals, puts bombs in their head if they don't if they disobey. So what did you guys think of Team A? What were you expecting? Who was a favorite character, favorite moment? Everything that happened on the beach with Team A. Uh, Louie, what do you what do you think? Uh, I thought Team A was hilarious. I got a lot of my laughs from the first part. And I also got a little bit of heartbreak from it. Uh, spoilers? Spoilers. Yeah, spoilers spoilers for, for the Suicide Squad. <laughs> All <laughs> right. Tune out if you don't want spoilers. <laughs> so Captain Boomerang was one that I was really rooting for going in. We had him in the first movie. He had some stuff to do, but he didn't really get to get into it. This time... Just from the minute he's in the plane to the minute he hits the beach, I think he had a lot more character. Jai Courtney is so lovable on screen. 
And to see him go out like that kind of hurt. <laughs> I was really rooting for him to come through. All the rest of the deaths were insane. The only thing I have to say, though, I don't think Savant needed to die. I think he was swimming away like that with a hail of gunfire behind him. I think he was dead regardless. Where is he going to swim off to? Good I think Waller just did that, like in the first movie where they're just doing the bomb to show you that the bomb happens. I think that's one thing that they still didn't get is how to naturally make the bomb happen. Yeah, they had to, like, show it. They couldn't go the whole movie without Amanda Waller not not pressing yeah. one of the bombs. Yeah. But besides that, I loved it. It looked intense. It sounded intense. And I was just scared for everybody the whole time. Feel that. What about you, Nick? Yeah, I feel like a lot of the trailers were from these first few scenes, which I was surprised about. I was like, this is literally just a trailer. Um, I was not, ex- and, and then <clears throat> you get the reason why I made it later because all these characters die. Um, so I thought that was cool. I was not expecting it. I was not expecting, uh, Weasel and Pete Davidson. I forget his character's name. Not expecting them to die. Um, we also got, um, what was his name? The one who got his head blown off? Blackguard or oh. Savant got his head blown off. Savant. Yeah. Savant. The another actor who's in Marvel and DC. This was just a cr- trivia question. Um, yeah. But, um, yeah, I thought, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I thought it was awesome. Uh, my favorite one who I was sad to see go was, I can't, I don't know anyone's name. I'm very bad with names. The guy with the guy who gives Harley Quinn the spear. Oh, Javelin. Javelin. He was so funny. He reminded me of, I didn't, I couldn't tell if it was the same guy or not. He reminded me of like the guy from those memes who like just tries to explain things and he's like this like it is uh, it is that's it's, it's, it's that guy yeah. right okay i was like it has to be um yeah so i thought he was hilarious um every time we talked i giggled i was sad to see him go but yeah i mean this this uh this scene just set the tone uh it was really gory it was dark uh even harley who like really never she like she was like freaking out a little bit it was it was crazy um i i thought it set the tone Definitely set the tone. This was James Gunn's, like, listen, here we go. This is the Suicide Squad. Everyone's disposable. They're all, like, characters you would never pick for a team, you know? Suicide. Which, yeah. It's, the missions I, are suicide. It, it was a great scene, and I kind of was going into the movie, like, I mean, the whole marketing campaign was don't get too attached. Uh, like, think you know the Suicide Squad, you don't know Squad, which is, like, I knew he was going to kill off more than half of these characters. But I didn't expect, I, I agree with you, Louie, I really was hoping for Captain Boomerang to make it out. But yeah. b- bold move to kill him, because he is, isn't in the comics, isn't he like a founding member of the Suicide Squad? Yeah, a big thing that he always says is, like a boomerang, I always come back. And then he always comes back. That's kind of the joke of the squad, is that this ridiculous character keeps making it out of these hardcore missions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I mean, I, I don't think he's coming back from what we saw him it'd be a little tough to pull (laughs) i think that i think this was like we're gonna clean house uh everyone loves harley quinn she's like the face so we keep her and we keep the leader and that's it like we're not gonna try to bring in half the first team and then replace the ones who don't want to come back like let's just clean house yeah um big favorite of mine i mean obviously can we talk about weasel like how can you not love but that was he freaks me out i was was hilarious dying when he just belly flopped in the ocean and just drowns like <laughs> that was a funny course. scene him and tdk obviously is a big uh, favorite of mine because i know james gunn i think that 
does that like he's good friends with nathan fillion and he's like i'm just gonna give him a ridiculous role in some of my movies and stuff so to see him be the detachable kid i think in the comics he's arm fall off boy is that right louis yeah Yeah. arm fall off boy he's actually a member of the substitute legion of superheroes so he's not even a main member he's just i I believe he's actually the substitute substitute legion so he's a fill-in for a (laughs) fill-in just yeah he could have sat the bench for me he was just like slapping everyone (laughs) i was like what is going on mad funny though um yeah and specifically with captain boomerang going back to him i one thing i didn't like about the original movie is that correct me if i'm wrong in the comics his boomerangs are the way they are in this movie where they're more powerful and they're almost like energy boomerangs yeah right yeah he's always had crazy trick boomerangs energy boomerangs in the first one i think you get to see him throw a boomerang once and i think he's got a second boomerang that just takes a video and that's his story like it was so much cooler even we got that one little scene where he slices the guy's heads off that was cool that was cool and it like waits a moment and then it was great and that's the only criticism i have of this is that even though i love that james gunn went full send and just like screw this like everyone is dying right now I would have loved to get a little bit more moment battle moments from each one of them. Like as ridiculous as they are, Javelin would have been mad cool to see him like tossing his Javelin at people. Mm-hmm. I wanted to see Pete Davidson's Black Guard like do something, but it was funny that the way he killed everyone. Yeah. yeah. Um, the thing I'm hoping though, I, I don't know about you guys, is I hope that even though these guys died, that they find a way to work them into the DCU continuity going forward, like little winks or stuff like. If we ever get a Booster Gold movie, like a flashback with him fighting Pete Davidson's Blackguard for a second, or like even seeing like Green Lantern, like throwing Javelin in jail or something, because I mean, can we talk about how ridiculous that is? Like a guy with a Javelin is going is the villain of Green Lantern, like arguably that would be a powerful heroes. Now, something I noticed, though, I don't know if you guys, but is TDK dead? Because the last we see, it says critically injured, and he's just oh, really? up blood. Oh. So if they were going back to the island to get the first squad, you think they picked up the scraps? You know? That'd be funny if he if they picked him up, but they, they like, forgot his arms or something. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> in the next movie he's in, in the end, his arm just finally comes back and punches someone in the face. <laughs> I would love to see something like that. Him and Weasel teaming up. Yeah, I mean, we'll get to it later, but Weasel isn't isn't goodbye forever. Yeah. Uh, so that's the end of Team A. They're kind of like just basically a distraction that Amanda Waller threw in there. Um, I mean, I think it was we're supposed to assume that she negotiated the whole thing with Blackguard, like trying to give them away just so she can have a distraction, right? Like that wasn't yeah. a surprise. I don't know. I wasn't sure if it was a contingent, like if she had con- a contingency plan. Or something. It, I'm not sure if it, it was like she was sending both in to see what would happen. Like one of them's gonna get it or not. I wasn't. I don't. I'm not sure if she set up the thing with Pete Davidson. Maybe. I like to think that she did because she was way more conniving in this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think she may have at least known about it, and it really shows how how cruel and dedicated to finishing the mission she is. Mm-hmm. Especially the way that she talks to Team B about Team A when they first yeah. get on the beach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. What did she She's say? Cold. Like, that was a distraction or something. Yeah, like that was yeah I think she said that was just a diversion. Man. So that's all they were to her. Yeah. She sent Flag and Harley. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah. 
That's flag, yeah, especially her. one of her colonels. I know. She like talk about character, like a character glow up. She's was another one that was just ten times better in this movie than. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Completely agree. Yeah, I mean the whole thing. They kind of after this they go into it that she literally threatens to kill Bloodsport's daughter in order to get him on the team, which is like, damn. Damn. And she would too. You know she would. You know she mm-hmm. would. You know she would. Worse. <laughs> yeah. So Team A slaughtered. They're all gone and everything. And we meet Team B. Why don't we? Uh, let's uh, hear thoughts on Team B. Um, I mean, we got like. Let's go in, uh, Louis. I know you prepared a little bit for for each member of of Team B. Their their first appearance in the comics. So uh, I'll let you give your thoughts first, and maybe if you want to talk about whatever order you want to discuss them in. All right. So uh, for Team B, you start off with everyone's giant, lovable CGI monster, King Shark. He first popped up in Superboy number zero back in the 90s. He had a little cameo in that and then a full feature on Superboy number nine. I loved his character with Sylvester Sloan voicing him. I thought he was just hilarious and lovable and not what you expect when you see him pop up on the beach for the first time. Definitely. For uh, Peacemaker, Peacemaker's actually got quite an interesting back backstory because he first popped up in Fighting Five, number 40, from the 1960s, not with DC Comics, but over in Charlton Comics. And it wasn't until a little later that Charlton was purchased out by DC and they got all of their characters. So Peacemaker was almost not even a DC entity altogether. John Cena probably kicked ass Harder than anyone else as Peacemaker. Oh, he was great. He was so amazing. I didn't realize how jacked he is. I know. When he had his shirt up, I was like, what the hell? That looks CGI. It was like, oh, my God. He's the scene where they're watching the resistance and his veins are just bulging out of his arm. It's so intense. Yeah, I know. I mean, I don't really know much about him in the comics. Is he like the equivalent of a super soldier in DC? Because he was really strong in this movie i mean like it seemed he was just tossing rick flag aside at points and i don't think he has many power at when he started off i know he's currently back as like peacemaker one for the newest issues and that i haven't got into but peacemaker as he was i believe he was just a dude i kind of like that he's just a dude in this movie a psychotic i thought he had the same exact backstory as a giselba Mm. yeah when Amanda Waller was like, you've each been chosen for your unique. And- yeah. 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 That was funny. Yeah. She gives the same spiel for the both of them. Yeah. But, but am I right? Didn't he like compared to Bloodsport and even King Shark? I feel like he was easily like tossing like 200 pound men aside and like, I think he's just really, jacked. I don't know. Yeah. I think that might just be, uh, John Cena's hulking mass of a man. Probably. But it was very, it stood out a lot. Although he probably has acquired super strength throughout the years, I'm sure he's got elevated strength at least. Yeah. That's what I, I, I was thinking. But Idris Elba was another standout, which we almost didn't even have him with uh, with the Will Smith, not knowing if he was going to come back. Mm-hmm. Could have had him as Vigilante, could have had him as Deadshot, but I'm glad they went with Bloodsport because he kicked ass. Bloodsport first popped up in Superman number four from the 80s, and Blood, Bloodsport has sported. A bunch of different people under the name over the years, but the Robert Dubois that they used is the original one. So I'm glad they went with him because it's nice to see a character that could possibly have a mantle carried down throughout the years, like in the comics. He was really cool. 
I, I liked yeah. him a lot. And honestly, I, I mean, maybe it's a fault of the old Suicide Squad movie, but I wasn't a big fan of Will Smith's Deadshot. You know, the character's cool in the comics, and I played the Injustice game, and he's, like, cool in that game. Uh, mm. But I, I don't know. I liked Bloodsport a lot more. Yeah, yeah, he was cool. I love Idris Elba. I thought he was cool. I like that he like grows into a leader over the, over the, uh, over the movie, but doesn't like, doesn't take the mantle too much where it's like, all right, team, let's go. He's just like, all right, let's go back. You know, <laughs> I like that. I think they did it well. They bounced it well. It's kind of like begrudgingly going into it. Yeah. 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 But the yeah. character that I was most excited for going in was the polka dot man. Polka Dot Man first started off in Detective Comics number 300. And the thing that I love about him is that he may be a joke character today, but back in the 60s, they had ridiculous characters like Polka Dot Man, like a man named the Eraser, who's just a pencil with an eraser head. (laughs) And these were just the ideas they had. So they weren't originally inspired as jokes. They've just become jokes. And I'm loving how great projects are happening now that are taking these characters and developing them in the ways that Polka, Polka Dot Man got, in the ways that Kite Man got in the Harley Quinn show. And that's something I'm real excited to see go forward. Yeah, I mean, like, they really, James Gunn did really well with Polka Dot Man's character. I mean, I was most excited for him, too, just because I'm like, this character is absolutely ridiculous, and I'm here for it. A guy that throws oh, yeah. Polka Dots is incredible, but I like the way that they... uh he frames his backstory and I, I don't know by the end of the movie he was one of my favorites yeah i thought he was cool um i like that he always sees his mom i thought that was funny i thought that was like a funny way to like give him a traumatic past but also like incorporate his weird power and like his a little bit of psychopathy that was utterly hilarious all yeah. the scenes with his mom in it. <laughs> i have to know who played her <laughs> i know yeah i was wondering that best character and a Funko set of all of them dressed up, all of his mom dressed up as a squad is a must. Oh my god, that'd be, that'd be so cool! You think they'll make that? I I hope. I don't know if they will. That'd be so cool. Mm. Is he so, a main, is is he generally a, a Batman villain in the comics? Like typically, yeah. He he doesn't pop up a bunch through the years just because of his jokey nature and how over time he gets taken less and less serious. But typically, he pops up against Batman. That's where he first appeared. He was actually Mister Polka Dot. Not Polka Dot Man. Okay. Now he's just the Polka Dot Man. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. And that's not a mantle that's been passed down like Bloodsport, right? He's always no. Ab- Abner Krill, I think his name was, right? Yeah, Abner Krill. I don't think anyone will want that mantle. <laughs> no. as, as we get Calendar Man dissing on him in the film. I didn't notice that until I watched Wait, the what? video. Um, Louis. Yeah, that Cal- in, in the film, as they're unlocking his power dampener and we see him come out of the cell and someone yells at him that is calendar man telling him to perform at his kid's birthday party oh are they like rivals or something not traditionally but they're just both stupid idea villains like calendar man who has gotten his renaissance of becoming a real fierce villain Mm -hmm. but when he started off he's wearing a giant dumb calendar So it's fun to see two joke villains come at each other like that. I did not realize that. It's actually Sean Gunn, James Gunn's brother, who plays him, who also does Weasel in the movie. Oh, double casting. Yeah. Yeah. And he is a, he's Kraglin in Guardians of the Galaxy and the stunt, uh, he's like the motion capture for a rocket. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. But yeah, I I didn't notice because like they, they 
have the the months tattooed the on months. his head. Oh. Like, a quick moment that passed by, but uh, that was funny. That they, he threw. Him I hope he pops up sometime in the future too. He is kind of like a menacing villain, like you said. Like they've turned him into yeah. like a, like a serial killer sort of type. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of like Zodiac Killer almost. They kind of framed him around, which is kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. And the uh, the last squad member, which is actually an original for the film, is Ratcatcher Two. Her father, Ratcatcher One, does exist in the comics. He premiered in the '80s Batman books, but Cleo herself is brand new, fresh from Mister Gunn's mind. Wow! Did not know that. Cheers to Mister Gunn. Cheers, yeah. big time. So, going around, who were who were your like who were your favorites? Who like would you like anything changed? Who would you like to see more of going forward? Um, what do you think? You go first, Louie. All right. So I could not wait to see Polka Dot Man. And I was not disappointed because he fulfilled everything that I wanted and more. Uh, I've got so many words to say about him, but I'll save that for the ending part where <laughs> my feelings really come out. <laughs> Ratcatcher stole my heart. I really did not expect to feel so closely for Ratcatcher 2, who's not even the main Ratcat, not even a character that I've had any interactions with but really came out loving and could not wait to see any more of Bloodsport kicked ass Peacemaker kicked ass the two of them together made such a great dynamic that should the movie have gone a different way I would have loved to see more team ups of the two of them and King Shark is a shark (laughs) (laughs) great in every way (laughs) I would say my favorite, my favorite, it, I love King Shark, but that's like kind of like the same way I love Groot. Like he's one, of, like I loved him. Every time he was on screen, I was happy. Um, but I think the heart of the team was Ratcatcher too. I think she was like everyone's little sister. Um, I think if it was Peacemaker standing over another team member, um, Bloodsport wouldn't have reacted so quickly and killed him. Maybe he would have, but the fact that he was standing over Ratcatcher too, Bloodsport knew like he's in the wrong. Like he, he didn't know what was going on, but he was like, I got to kill Peacemaker. That's so, a good point. Because like, if he was over King Shark, maybe he would have been like, oh, maybe. He maybe King Shark was trying to eat him. Or even if he was, oh, I mean, I guess Flag, he might have done the same thing. But I don't know if it would have been as quick of a, mm. who's in the wrong here. Yeah. Like, she really connected with every single member in yeah. her own way. And her love for King Shark, they were so cute. Oh, <laughs> that was adorable. When she ran and hugged him at the end of the final battle. I know. She was my fave. I loved her. She, I Going into the movie, I I did not expect much from her. I was like, I'm not really that excited for this character, you know. But after it, I was like, I love her so much. I can't really see her as a, like, the one thing is like, and now having watched this movie, I can't picture her as a villain, you know. She was like the most. She's just more of a misfit. Yeah. 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 Honestly, when she, in the first scene she's in where she like doesn't want to wake up i was like that's that's me there i am <laughs> relatable but then once you had the rat i was like that's not me <laughs> i like the rat though sebastian was- i love sebastian yeah. sebastian was great he was especially guy. seeing him lead the fight at the end yeah that yeah. was so cool he was like oh <laughs> well, it was so cool <laughs> Um, I love the way they visualized all of their powers too, like Bloodsport's armor, the way it like kind of, it was very almost like Tony Stark nanotechnology kind of, that's the only thing I could think to compare it to, but it was unique 
also the mm-hmm. way his helmet like shrunk off his hand he like pulled the guns off of his chest i thought he was really really cool and idris elba is like the perfect casting for that he's like the reluctant leader i don't have you guys been watching the show ted lasso it's on no. tv no i've heard it, great stuff though it's fantastic <laughs> but there's this character on there that he really reminds me of like a reluctant leader um we're forgetting a squad member also i know she uh isn't didn't originate in the comics also you can correct me if i'm wrong really but harley quinn also i think harley quinn yeah awesome. she actually but she's not she team Bay. yeah she's team well, a that's true that but she pretty much becomes part of team b yeah but she's team a <laughs> we didn't talk about yeah, flag she, either because he's team a she was the one who got her start in the batman animated show yeah, back in the it, 90s people mm. liked her like so much that they started adding her to comics right yeah she actually first premiered in batman adventures number 12 ah there you go got a nice cover appearance and instantly started off with a relationship with poison ivy Obviously, less really? extreme than the one we see today. Mm-hmm. I think they should do. I I hope they do that in the movies going forward. I would love that, that especially would, after the the animated show. That would be phenomenal. That'd be really really cool. But she was really awesome. Got a, a big power upgrade in my opinion. I mean, the scene where she's escaping from agreed was yes. sick. That was probably that was maybe one of my favorite parts of the movie. Also, just that whole fight scene. Yeah, I was like, she's a beast. Like she's like. She, she had the same powers as Bloodsport. I won't like in that scene. I was like, she's a assassin. I kind of wish yeah. they gave her a bat at one point, though. <laughs> yeah, or no man. bat, no bat. It may be a little unpopular, but I have really not liked Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn up to this point. <gasps> I know, I know. She was the only but thing I liked in the first that, one. How can someone like that go against? How is she any threat to Batman? How is she any protection for the Joker? But this movie cemented the fact that batman better watch out when she's around okay so it wasn't as much like margot robbie herself it was more like no the way they no. executed okay. her character yeah she Let's obviously start. is brilliant as the character she, okay i was gonna yeah. say blasphemy kick you off no. <laughs> <laughs> no i mean like they much better in this movie like in the first suicide squad she's basically just eye candy like quirky eye candy which is like yeah i liked her in the first one though yeah, but I, I much preferred her in this movie. Yeah, well, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, by far. Yeah, um, I agree with you, Nick. That King Shark was very comparable to Groot, but I think King Shark is just unique in his own way. I loved it, but I'm saying like you know, Groot's like one of my favorite Marvel characters, but I'll never say he's my favorite because yeah, yeah. all he says is I am Groot. Yeah. Um, even though our quote was from Ratcatcher One earlier, the most quotable line from the movie that I'm probably going to quote most from that point on is just "Nom nom." Nom nom. <laughs> I think the line that's always going to stick with me is right as Polka Dot Man drops all the bombs and he goes, Oh, fizzle sticks. <laughs> <laughs> um, top, top betrayal of the movie was not Peacemaker. It was the fish that um, he makes friends with in the tank. He was like, stupid friends. And then <laughs> I was like, oh, he made friends. And I thought they were going to help him. And then they like started attacking him. I was like, "What a betrayal!" No, working <laughs> shark. I thought he was dead there. I thought that was it for him. I'm very happy. He that'd didn't. be a ba- oh, that'd be a bad way to go out. Like if they're gonna yeah. kill King Shark, they gotta make it like super emotional, like they did with. Groot. I feel like he could have died five times over in the movie. Between that falling out of the building, getting crushed, I thought by the, the building, falling out of the shot. building. I thought he was dead when he fell out of the building. 
I first, I was like, he's dead. And then I started shooting at him and he was getting up and I was like, what? Which I was happy about, but I also, Jake knows I like a death. Yeah. I, but if they're ever going to kill King Shark, they, they got to make it. He's going to milk it for something really. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because everyone just loves that character now. So. Talked about Team B. Obviously, we love all these characters from what we've said. I mean, I, I'm in love with all of them. I felt like they were they didn't have to go like we said earlier. They didn't have to go out and say we're a family. You felt it immediately at the end. And when when um Idris Elba in the final battle, when he's like giving them all directions, like Harley, take the high ground. I'm like you go over here. Like you really felt like, oh, I'm, I'm excited. Like there it was, was almost like a Captain America Avengers moment. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And and I literally had a flashback when he sent King Shark. He was like, King Shark, nom nom. I was like, that is exact, pretty much exactly the same thing as Captain America saying Hulk smash. So, yeah. <laughs> I was like, that's the same scene. <laughs> but it worked. It worked. It worked. Yeah. So kind of a nice segue because we're talking about the final battle uh, where they're fighting Starro. Uh, let's talk about the villains. We got, we already talked about Amanda Waller. We can... We can uh, circle some thoughts there again, but the two main, three mains actually are Thinker, Starro, and uh, the generals from Cortel, Cortel de Maltese. So, um, I know Starro's got an interesting story. So, uh, Louis, why don't you give us a brief uh, history on Starro? Starro is exactly what you've seen in the movie a giant space monster. First time he came to Earth, though, it was not to tangle with the Suicide Squad. It was to go up against the Justice League, which I had always loved as a kid. I always thought Starro was terrifying as a villain. Seeing him take over the town in the comics, when Starro does his thing with his spores, you don't die. It just takes you over, makes you part of the hive mind. Once he's defeated, you're back to normal. So I thought that was a big missed opportunity with the squad was giving them the dilemma of these are innocent people. How do we stop them from killing us without killing innocent people? I thought the star on the face instantly killing them took that threat away. Mm-hmm. That's something I really would have loved to see happen. But I still think it worked regardless. And I thought he was terrifying and kind of heartbreaking in the end. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> oh, I was happy to see him dead. Um, but I do agree with you that I didn't like that they were all corpses. It like when they were just offing all of them, I was like, are they killing people? And then I was like, I guess not their corpses. So it doesn't really matter. And like, it kind of felt like everyone on the island except the suicide squad was covered by the star. I'm sure I'm wrong, except the suicide squad and, um, the people who ended up taking over the government. Um, but I felt like, what was the point of saving the town if they were all like starred anyway? You know? Yeah. I feel I like about 70% of the population. Yeah, exactly. And the population, 70% of the population is gone anyway. So what really did they do? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It felt like less. Um, I'm sure that there was more of the population that wasn't starred, which was the point, but they didn't really show that. Yeah. I, I liked him a lot. And again, Louis, I did feel bad for him when he was, but, I kind of felt bad for him, but also I agree with Nick that like he needed to die. You know, the guys. Yeah, he he needed to go, but a city. <laughs> that quote hit hard. Yeah, what did, what did he say? Like I I was happy just staring. I was happy the among stars. the stars. Personally, oh, that was sad. Kind of sad. And and he was the one saying in the beginning like he's tortured me for thirty years, right? Like yeah. from the other people's. 
Oh, poor guy. But needed to go. <laughs> that would have been cool. Oh, I think another missed opportunity with him is none of the squad got starrowed. I would have loved to see like Me too, Polka Dot Man or Peacemaker get the star and then they've got all of their skills and weaponry to go against the squad. That, that would have been, been really cool. cool. Even if it was the corpses from the island, Team A. I think that would have been an amazing way to bring them back at the end. Yeah. Maybe minus Savant and Pete Davidson. That, that's what, so going into this movie, I knew Starra was going to be the villain. That's what I originally thought was going to happen, like, with, with all the other, like, random characters, like Pete Davidson and stuff, that they were going to become <laughs> part of Starro or something. So I agree with you there. I think that was a missed opportunity. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. But otherwise, a great climax. I mean, I thought it was really well done where, they didn't anchor too much on Star. I mean, like, he's a great villain, but also at the same thing, he's just a big monster. Like, if you mm-hmm. anchor too much on him, then it's like, how much can they do? I like that the Thinker was kind of a villain also, and the Generals, too. Um, added an, a, a lot of nice uh, little subplots that didn't overpower each other, but they kind of worked together really well. Yep. Yep. <laughs> um, what did you guys think of like thinker and the whole subplot with harley and the generals and like Cortel maltese and stuff like that i had i had one thing about the harley storyline uh i liked it i liked that she like got out her own way and like kind of had a little bit of her own storyline before meeting up with team but i didn't really get because everyone knows about the suicide squad everyone knows what the suicide squad does they made that pretty clear and then, like, the whole government or the government guy was like, oh, Harley Quinn is, like, the vision of being anti-American. And I was like, but you also know about the Suicide Squad. So what do you think they do? So that was a little weird to me that they were, like, worshipping Harley at first. Um, but I thought the storyline was cool otherwise. It just didn't really make sense that the first guy, want, whatever his name, Luna, he, like, wanted to marry her. Or, like, his people wanted him to marry her. It was, like, a little weird to me. That, when I was first, like, as I was processing it, I was like, oh, maybe he means, like, he admires her for how she stood up to the Joker, but not really. He's like, you embody anti-Americanism, which I thought was, I I didn't really understand it as much. I guess maybe I, do you need, is that something from Birds of Prey, Louis, or or not really? I don't think so. Birds of Prey, she was kind of just friendly with a girl, and I don't know. I think there are stories that we haven't seen that have happened off screen. Maybe like terroristic acts from her and the Joker. But I don't know. From what we've seen, anti-American doesn't really scream what she shows us. Yeah, that that would make sense if it's referring to all the stuff with her and Joker. If they have a, I'm sure they have a. I, but everyone knows she's working for the government with the Suicide Squad. Well, that was they, weird. I don't think they know. Cortel Montes doesn't know because they, they're trying to find out how many Americans she came with her yeah but everyone i thought it was pretty clear that like everyone knew about the suicide squad that's one thing that i picked up on my second viewing is that i i think they might if you're gonna believe the titles when james gunn does those title sequences of the next part of the story one of them the general's talking and it says he's talking cuts the title and it says bring me the head of the suicide squad so i don't know if we're ripping that out of his mouth or if that's just an idea for us to have so if that's from his mouth then they know Good point. Yeah. Maybe they didn't mention it specifically, but I, I, I kind of forgot. I, I, I kind of forget if they, the Corta court, uh, Matisse, um, but it seemed like everyone, it seemed like Suicide Squad was common knowledge. Yeah. That's <laughs> another little joke that they have in the movie where Carly can't 
say Corto Maltesians. <laughs> I can't either. So. It just made me think of it. Uh, do you think that the that being said, do you think that like the Justice League know who the Suicide Squad is in this universe? I think, I think so. it depends how mouthy Harley is when she sees Batman. <laughs> I think they probably do. It seems like everyone knows. Uh, at the end of the first movie, Bruce Wayne has that meeting with Waller. You're right. Mm. You're right. I forgot so about that. He must know something. What does he ask her for? She He asks her for files. I on think it the... was the Justice League files. Yeah. Okay. Even though he already got them from Lex Luthor in Batman v Superman. Yeah. Oh. It's cool how <laughs> Amanda Waller is kind of like a dark Nick Fury, almost. I, I, yeah. Very much like a... And they nailed her well, though. Um, very intense. I also like, back to the Holly story real quick, I like that she killed Luna, not because she was like undercover suicide squatting, that she was just like, oh, no, like, you're, here's a red flag, I'm going to kill you. Like, it was very <laughs> psycho. I loved it. I, I like that it wasn't like, haha, I was undercover the whole time. You yeah. know? I like that it was just like, no, sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> One of the many parts of the movie where I jumped in my seat and then like immediately started laughing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I loved it. Yeah, yeah that was a great just her falling into the plan without realizing she's falling into the plan. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, any any word on the thinker? I mean, I think he was he was like a nice tie to Starro, and I think Peter Capaldi did really well. I was expecting him to be more like they would capture him and sort of he would become part of the Suicide Squad maybe but i loved i loved his ending i think it was just gruesome enough um i actually think it would have been more gruesome if the people weren't corpses and they were kept there like that i think they should have went that route like we said earlier but i think his the way he went out like starro like being mad at him and like looking him in the eye and ripping him apart i think was good yeah. i liked it i think he was great peter capaldi killed it in the role his whole monologue where they're in there and he's talking all about it that was like chilling but I think the character, the thinker, was a waste to make him that. I think they could have put anybody as the character. I think and the character could have been anyone. It could have been Joe Schmo. I don't think it needed to be the thinker because we never see him thinking. Think. Thinkering. <laughs> <You know? laughs> he doesn't get to be the smartest man in the room. He doesn't get to show his intense knowledge. Or I don't know if you guys watched The Flash on the CW. But I've seen a few episodes. He was the villain there for an entire season, and that's great because you got the fastest man alive versus the fastest brain alive, so it's great to see them clash, and we got none of that in this. So I was kind of let down by that part. Yeah, I could definitely see that. I don't know the thinker like that from the comics or anything, so I, I could, couldn't speak to that, but I thought, I thought he worked for this story. Um, like I said, I, he, it's not, I wasn't like expecting anything from the thinker, so that's probably mm -hmm. why. Um, but I could see why it's frustrating that they use like a great character and kind of an kind of like a side villain role. It was cool to going back to what you said, Louis, the whole monologue he had where he like revealed the whole how the American government was behind it. Like I love that part of the story. I thought that was a great reveal. Um really well done. Just the whole Corto Maltese aspect of it. You know, the one of the problems I had with the first Suicide Squad is just like, aren't they just in the middle of New York Gotham City? And like, there's a huge sky beam, and the Enchantress is like destroying everything. She's like, yeah, I believe they're in midway in that one. Belly dancing, like, <laughs> it, this feels way more like an undercover, covert, like shady government operation, which isn't 
if, if I'm speaking out of turn, tell me. <coughs> it seems re- way more Suicide Squad uh, authentic than the first one. Oh, yeah. Agreed. I think the first one was like, we're going to do, like, I didn't really, it wasn't really clear why she, like, what her, what she would gain from, like, the mission at all. Or maybe I'm not remembering correctly, but it was like, I, they just didn't nail why the Suicide Squad had to be assembled in the first one. This one, it was like, okay. They were assembled for kind of an evil reason. And like in the end, when she's like, leave, leave the island, doesn't matter. It like, it drove it home. Yeah. Yeah. The first one, they were in broad daylight, not broad daylight, but in the middle of public committing their secret mission. Yeah. This one felt a lot more covert and a lot more serious because of that. Yeah. Agreed. For sure. All right. So one of the last parts that, uh, we should talk about before we get into the popcorn ice report card. Um, there's a couple twists and stuff in this movie. So Peacemaker kind of turns on the squad and he has his own little uh, mission uh, that Amanda Waller gave him. And then he kills Rick Flagg, which I was not expecting at all. Not that I'm not okay with it. I'm pretty fine with it because I think Idris Elba proved himself enough of a leader and that I hope if they make sequels to this that he comes back but I just really was not expecting Idris Elba to die and I think that you mean the- Rick Flag. oh yeah Rick Flag. sorry <laughs> and uh, the Peacemaker twist was, was great I think he's the perfect one to to choose to betray them because his whole motto is like I'm gonna like obey if anything for peace like if a if a if a superior tells me what to do and it's in the name of peace, then I'm going to do it. It doesn't matter. Because you could, fe- I, I think you felt in the moment, he like really didn't want to kill Ratcatcher or Rick Flag, but he's so wrapped up in his own like psychotic MO that he needs to kill for peace that he was going to do it regardless. Yeah, I was not expecting them to go that route. Uh, I was expecting them to go like, oh, we're family route. But I feel like we've gotten that so many times in, in many franchises that I think that this was a perfect opportunity to not go that route and show like there is a family there, but it's not the whole squad that's being sent because it's, it's people who are partially villains. Like obviously they're not all going to come together as a family all the time. Uh, I thought it was good. I thought Peacemaker was a good choice to do it. Um, I kind of liked the love, hate bromance that him and Bloodsport had at the beginning. And like one of my favorite teams was when they were having to kill off and they ended up killing all the good guys. Um, but I, I, I thought that they were going to go the route that they'd become friends, but I liked that Bloodsport killed them in the end. I thought, I thought it was, I thought it was cool. I thought it was different. I was not expecting Rick Flagg to die. I thought he was like one of the faces, but I also never liked him all that much. So I was fine with him dying. And I thought it was like a nice way for him to go out. It actually showed, I feel like it showed Rick Flagg's character at the end too. So I was, I was good with it. Yeah, I think his death really showed the stakes of this mission. I mean, we already lost Captain Boomerang, who we had from before. But Flag being the leader of the team, being the government contact of the team, you felt like this guy's making it out alive. He's going to keep coming back for the next one, you know? But I think he was 10 times better in this film than he was in the first. And that's why it sucked so much to see him go. So definitively, too. It's not like you can squeeze your way out of that death. <laughs> and his final words were good too. Peacemaker. Yeah. What a joke. I was like, that's a great last one. Like, and then he just died. Like not, it was great. I love that last line. Mm. You know where you're coming back from. I, they literally showed his heart being impaled. I know that was yeah. crazy too. <laughs> Some mortal combat stuff. <laughs> yeah, for real. I saw a headline today that was like, 
did the Suicide Squad take it too far with gore? And I was like, no. Have you never seen a Tarantino movie? Like, come on. <laughs> no, take <laughs> it too far. Especially after, after The Boys and Invincible this year. Yeah. Gore and blood is so ingrained in comic books now. I know. Oh, oh my God. This isn't Marvel. It's different. Yeah. <laughs> Nick, you have to watch Invincible. You would like it a lot. I know. I oh, have to. Incredible. Maybe I'll watch some tonight. Well, I have a few things to watch tonight. But I have to watch What If. Yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> are we are we good to – any comments before we go on to the report card? Um, do we want to talk the post credit scene or do we want to save that for after the report card? We could talk about the post credit scene. Um, there's two of them. I don't know if you saw both, Nick. I did not see both. Okay. I only saw one. We have to talk about it. Just spoil it. Okay. <laughs> uh, Louis, why don't, why don't you give Nick a, a rundown on the, the – All right. So the first one – I'm assuming you saw the first one. Yeah. First one is a great kicker for Weasel. We flash back to the start of the island with Weasel, coughing up water, revealing that he's still alive, and then weaseling his way off. <laughs> he was so funny. <laughs> I I hope we see him come back again, but I can't imagine where he would pop up unless it's in the next squad film. I feel like it, it could be like literally a a blink and you'll miss it thing. Like the next squad film, he just kind of runs by the screen and picks I'd up be fine with we with Weasel not being a main character. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he freaks me out. But I'm glad that he made it off that first massacre. And then the second, which you missed, I missed, is Waller's team walking through a hospital where it's revealed that a hero from the Corto Maltese attack survived. And you see John Cena's peacemaker laying in a bed. No. Oh, I hate that. I knew it was coming. I, and I'm, Louis, I'm sure you did too, because uh, Peacemaker has an HBO Max show coming out in uh, January that James Gunn wrote and directed. Oh, yeah. That's oh, I show. hate that. Oh, so I was just lying earlier when I said Bloodsport <laughs> killed him. <laughs> oh, I don't like that. I want him to die. <laughs> uh, I can't wait to see him come back. I think all of Waller's team, who we didn't touch on, but Waller's team was awesome great, they were like great scene. they were real full-fledged characters yeah great scene i was gonna say i was i was thinking that earlier on the podcast that was a great scene when they hit her in the head i was like hype that was honestly the most hype i've got the whole movie yeah that was, was like, that was really intense then, watching her get ready and then wait when she was like i forget the guy's name and she was like get over there you dickhead <laughs> i was like dying laughing she was like talking to one of the other ones i was like that's mad funny <laughs> <laughs> that scene and i loved it in the beginning when they were all placing bets on who's gonna die and stuff like, yeah has oh, this person worked with this person before like that's exactly what would happen if <laughs> suicide squad was real i thought that was uh, really clever yeah it, rem- it reminded me almost of like a, um it's a weird comparison but like in winter soldier when they all like when the team when the team behind the desk like doesn't like stands behind cap after he gives his speech it like felt like that a little bit you know what I'm talking about in Winter Soldier when uh, Crossbones is like, launch the carriers, and they're like, I'm not going to do that. And they like go against yeah, them. Okay. It reminded me of that scene a little bit in a very different way, but it reminded me of that. Yeah. Gotcha. I love that scene. But um, yeah, the, when, I, when he first got shot in the neck by Bloodsport, I was like, is the Peacemaker series going to be a prequel now? Like, I, I was expecting a post credit scene, and um, there it was. 
Oh, I have to watch it, but I'm not going to like it very much. I know. We, we know you like your character. Dead. I like my characters to stay dead. <laughs> yeah, and that's something James Gunn doesn't typically do. He normally doesn't do a fake out death. I know. I don't. I don't like fake out deaths, but oh, you have to deal with it with comic book movies sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, quickly, what? Uh, I mean, I think Louis, you probably know the most out of the three of us. What? What do you? We? What should we expect for the Peacemaker series now? Is he going to be like working for Amanda Waller? I guess the whole time. I think we're going to see him working for Waller again. They have confirmed we're going to be seeing the character Vigilante in the Peacemaker series. Vigilante was one of the rumored characters that Idris Elba was going to play before they announced that he was Bloodsport. So he's kind of the same thing where he's just kick-ass guy with guns. So I'm excited to see that. I don't know if Vigilante is going to be the antagonist or another protagonist. I don't even know if Peacemaker is going to be the protagonist or if he'll be an antagonist. But it's going to be gory. I don't know if you've seen any of the the promo art but it's effing peacemaker is the slogan for the show <laughs> oh, i haven't seen that that's awesome. so it's gonna be intense i hope it's like again like a thing that james gunn just does his thing like this which mm -hmm. seems like it's gonna be i don't know if you guys have heard but off the back of this takai watiti has announced that he's gonna be doing a dc film as well i didn't hear that i didn't know that that was, I think I saw that earlier today, and that makes me really excited for the future. They all jump and ship. They're going to DC now. I yeah. know. I think what it's because hell? DC gives them more to do, more creativity yeah. behind the characters. I, I think that, though, Kevin, I heard that when James Gunn got fired, like, Kevin Feige didn't agree with his firing, and then when James called him and was like, hey, I'm doing a DC movie, like, Kevin was hyped for him. He's like, oh, are you doing Superman? And he's like, no, I'm doing Suicide Squad. He's like, oh, that's great. I'm I'm happy for you. So I think Kevin Feige supports it, you know? Yeah. Kevin Feige also recently was saying that he was upset about the Scarlett Johansson suing. So I'm really hoping Disney's not burning any bridges on him with all of this stuff going on. I know, I know. I know. Disney, don't do it to us. Don't do it. No, not for him, please. Don't do it. Even for Scar Joe, man. Yeah. Annoying. I would love to see her pop up here and there in now that they're comfortable doing prequel sh prequel movies mm -hmm. or flashbacks and shows. But they better not bring her back is all I'm saying. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Is it about that time? Popcorn it's about that time. Summer movie time. Popcorn Heist Report Card time. Um, so, Louie, here's how the Popcorn Heist Report Card works. We have six categories and each of us ranks it. Uh, each, each of us ranks each of the six categories out of five. Uh, at the end, we kind of average it all out, do a little Excel formula, and give give a percentage out of a hundred. Um, the six categories are pacing, visuals, acting, music, story, and heart. So we're each going to rank each of them out of five. Uh, we're going to go in a, in a circle, and um, yeah, we're going to end up giving it a percentage. Yep, and uh, you can awesome. rate it in <clears throat> increments of 0.25, so like three point two five, three point five, three point seven five, four like that. Fantastic. Cool. 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 Okay. So let's start with the first category. Uh, we'll start with you, Louie. You're the guest. Uh, first category is pacing. Well, right from the get-go, it hits fast and it really doesn't stop. It gives you that small break in the middle with Harley Quinn, but even that is very fast paced and gets you to the next thing pretty quick. And typically that's a bad thing for movies when they just run, 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 and you don't have time to catch up. But I think this pulled it off really well. I think I'm going four. Okay, Jake, pacing. Um, I agree. 
everything that Louis said, like it hits the ground running, but it's not a bad thing at all. Um, I think like the first time I watched it, it was really late. So maybe it's just I was tired, but towards like a little bit before they get to Jotunheim with Starro, I was like, oh, this this movie is like a little long, but I think that it was paced very well. Uh, This is normally where I'm most critical. And I was not looking at my watch at all during this movie. I was fully enjoying every moment. So I'm going to go 4.25. I'm actually going to go the highest. I'm going to go 4.5. I feel like this, I feel like in the middle of the movie, I was like, we must be coming up on the end soon. But because, not because it was feeling too long. It was because it was like a lot was happening. And I was like, and then it did feel long, but it was because so much was packed in and it wasn't like you were never bored. Uh, so it felt like it was coming up on the end a few times, but I don't think that, not in a bad way. I'm going to give it a 4.5. All right. Next is visuals. The visual. There are two scenes that come to mind that I really wanted to bring up. And one of them is the rain scene as they all get out of the bus for Jodenheim, where all the rain's coming down behind them and all you see is the bus. And then the characters walking. And that just gave me chills. That lasted the rest of the film. The other intense visual was Harley entering Starro and watching the rats pour into his eyes with the blood mixing with all of his purples and pinks was so intense. And it just screamed iconic. I think it had incredible visuals most of the film. There were like one or two points where the CG wasn't stellar. I think. When all the rats are pouring in at the end, some of them kind of look a little tough and weasel at the end didn't really hold still. But besides that, I thought it was phenomenal and I got to go 4.5 on the visuals. Jacob, your turn. I, I wholeheartedly agree. Uh, that rain scene was, was sick because I saw that. I think it was a poster or maybe it was in one of the, the short TV spot trailers. And I was waiting for that moment to come up. And then when it came up, I didn't expect it. And I was like, oh, this is an awesome moment. So love mm-hmm. that. And really, they, they're they not competing with much. Because the first Suicide Squad movie, the visuals are really horrible. I, I I don't know who Enchantress's minion was. I think Incubus was his name. That is some of the worst CGI I've ever seen in my life. So, But regardless of that, without comparing it, I think the CGI was great. Except maybe Weasel, like some some of his... CGI was just all right, but I loved it. I'm going to go 4.75. Ooh. Uh, I'm going to agree with Louie and go 4.5. I think, like I said, this movie was perfectly over the top. I'm not, like, too harsh on CGI unless it's really bad. Um, So none of the bad moments really caught my eye. Uh, I feel like Starro looked solid. Like, he looked as good as a star that big is going to get. And I felt like a lot of the -the over-the-top moments were executed really well and even the things that shouldn't have felt real um they still worked uh one of my favorite examples is when uh blood sport is like falling down in the tower and he's like landing on every floor it was like he should not be surviving this but he is and i don't care like i love the moments like that so i'm gonna give it a 4.5 all right next is acting acting was incredible i feel like i've said that word so many times but it's hard not to say when it comes to these people <coughs> dot man rat catcher blood sport king shark harley quinn brick flag even peacemaker to an extent all captured their characters and made me feel for each one 
even when I didn't think that they could. And everything was spot on. Every word. Peter Capaldi with that final big spiel about Starro was so intense. The acting was off the chain. I don't think there was anyone that came close to phoning it in or falling flat. Everybody just climbed the charts for me. And I hate to keep going so high, but this movie deserves it. (laughs) And I got to go with another 4.5. Okay. Jake. I don't hate to go so high because this acting was was great. I mean, like you said, Louis, there's no one that I was like, that doesn't feel right, that they're not portraying that right. Uh, I mean, all the original squad was perfect. Every single character fell in love with. Nothing was inauthentic, unnatural. Um, I think they were the perfect amount of like psychotic and crazy and also like becoming a little sane and family-like. Um, I'm going to go 4.75. Um, I'm just going 4.5s across the board here. Um, <laughs> but actually, I'm going to go 4.25 here. Um, I thought the acting was really great, like you said. And you know what? I'll go 4.5. They deserve it. They were good. <laughs> 4.5. Um, my only, I think the acting was great. Um, Sylvester Stallone killed it as King Shark. Um, and yeah, the acting was great. Harley Quinn was great. Uh, sometimes her accent's a little much, but I do love her. Um, the one actor I don't love and I didn't love in the first movie and I didn't love in the other show I know him from, which is House of Cards is Rick Flagg. Um, he's a little bit like, I don't know. I, I just don't love his acting. Maybe it's because he's just kind of sometimes there to give exposition, but he was great in the moments that mattered in this movie. But at times I was like, uh, you could feel that he's acting. I don't know. Um, maybe it's just because he plays a little bit of a, a more stoic character. Um, but everyone else was great. I thought John Cena was hilarious. Uh, Idris Elba killed it. Uh, Margot Robbie always kills it as Harley Quinn. Like I said, her accent's a little too much sometimes, but I'll go 4.5. Next is music. So the music, I might be showing my hand a little on my taste in music, but I did not recognize any of the songs from this film. But right from the get-go, I adored it. With Savant's little opening song where he's throwing the ball to the montage with all the dead bodies on the island with that song over it. Like you would touch on before, the ending song where the rats are running in everything fit rain and the the scene with the cars everything fit the scene everything felt right i didn't know them but i think that helped because in the first movie hearing bohemian rhapsody hearing 21 pilots was kind of distracting from what was going on and i think not being the top pop songs of today made it fit more with the undercover type style i got to go 4.25. Jake. I'm going to go <laughs> right off the bat. I'm going to go five on this. Ooh, is that the first five in Popcorn Ice history? history? So I, th- this movie just proves and solidifies how much of a master James Gunn is at picking soundtrack, how, picking, yeah, like pop songs for a movie that are under the radar and unknown. And then ones that are more known, like the one you mentioned at the opening scene with Savant, that's Folsom Prison Blues uh, by Johnny Cash. Um, you, you know that the soundtrack is good when after the movie, I immediately went to Spotify. I was like, what's that song that was playing in the in the montage with Harley Quinn and Luna? Um, I don't remember the song 
name exactly, but you know, like when they're having like their whole love montage when they're on a date. I've been that song's been stuck in my head ever since I watched the movie. Thought it was great. Um, when she's singing, uh, like when she's tied up in the prison thing, and she's singing that uh, like older song by Louis Prima, Gigolo. Another great, clever song choice because Juggalo, Gigolo, then like clowns, Harley Quinn, and I think it. Like you said, the first movie, Bohemian Rhapsody, takes you out of the scene where you're like, oh, Bohemian Rhapsody's playing right now. Whereas with this movie, the song choices were so great that they just made the scenes better. And coupled with that ending scene, this like the music score, when um, all the rats are covering Starro, was just so good. I came out of this movie like, wow, like the music was great in that movie. So, five. Five, okay. I'm going to agree with uh, Louis here again. And I'm going to say 4.25. <clears throat> I definitely agree with you guys. Sometimes all superhero movies that have come out since Guardians of, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy sound like, now that's what I call music. Um, I think that this, this balanced it well. Um, yeah, I think sometimes like even Marvel is too heavy with the pop songs at the wrong times. I won't get into specifics. I've probably talked about it on other podcasts, but um, I, I don't feel that this movie did that. I felt like the songs were used well. But I think maybe it was just because I was listening. I was and maybe if I saw it in the theaters, it would have hit me harder. There wasn't as many moments where I was like, "What a what a perfect music choice." I think it was probably just the format in which I watched. But um, I don't think I could go higher than a four point two five. But I also there's no no negatives that I have about it either. If that makes sense. Makes sense. Next is story. <clears throat> The story was ripped out of the comics. Like I said before, it was, we hadn't touched on this, but I got to see this in theaters. I know you guys had HBO Max. I watched it both, actually, one theater, one HBO. And being in theaters and seeing these characters up there on the big screen was like being a kid, obviously, with a little bit of an R rating on a childhood. But (laughs) it was incredible to watch the story panned out how it did in such a creative and amazing way. And it's the right kind of story for the team that you put together here. It's not like the first one where they're going in the middle of Midway City or it's not Guardians of the Galaxy where the universe is going to end if we don't stop this thing. There are other people that could take care of this. There are other people who could take care of this in a lot better ways than you guys did. But the story called for all of this to happen in such natural and great ways i really got to stick it up there at a 4.75 solid okay i obviously louis the comic expert here uh i have not read any suicide squad comics before i've done my research i I like to like look up things on wikipedia and uh, fandom and stuff like that to get my backstory um to fill in the holes of things that i do not know but i can absolutely agree with you just like you could feel it even if you haven't read a suicide squad comic if you know the characters from other mediums you could just feel that this story fit with them so much better the dynamic of the team it made much more sense um it was so many different things it was a comedy it was a war story it was like a little bit horror at some points with starro and stuff it was a, a mystery even kind of like a i don't know it was just so many things all at the same time that worked well together and all the character backstories like you love them at the same time you felt bad for them you hated peacemaker 
it made you feel so many things in all the right ways. Um, it's hard for me to go a full five, but I'm going to go a 4.5 on this. Still, still great. I didn't mean it in a way like it's hard for me because it doesn't deserve it. Four, it definitely deserves it. I'll say a 4.5 also. Um, I did feel like I, I, the story was great. It was enjoyable, but I, I didn't feel like it had like multiple threads going at once. I kind of all came together at the end, which is sometimes what I like to see in the movie. Um, I do feel also like this felt like, you know how some, like I'm thinking of like pet detectives too. Like when they just send them to a random island with random people and they're like, here's a story on this random island. It felt a little like that. Um, but I think that was a better choice because they could kind of do whatever they wanted. Um, I did feel like the, the group, like the group dynamic was great by the end. And that was, that was definitely a positive. I I feel like there was very few negatives, but it also wasn't like, I didn't come out being like, what a perfect, like take away. Like I didn't get, I didn't come out with like a, I don't know. I may, (laughs) there was, there was no moral to the story for me. It just like executed what the first one was trying to get across better than the first one did. So I'll give it a 4.5. It'd be interesting to, if the first, if the first one never existed and this is the first time we're seeing a Suicide Squad movie, you know, Mm, that's true. I think we mentioned that. And when we were discussing Zack Snyder's justice league, it's like, what if we had never seen the theatrical version and this is what was released, you know? True. True. Interesting to think about, but, yeah. The last uh, category is heart. I think the heart of the film definitely lied with Ratcatcher too. There was a lot oh, of yeah. love coming from there, and she really—I feel like she was the one that brought the team together. But at the same time, a lot of heart came from Polka Dot Man because of his backstory, because she felt so bad for him the whole time. And seeing him progress through the film, the club scene, seeing him come out of his shell and really, like, enjoy what he's doing. Because in the end, like he said, he's becoming a superhero. And that's all he wanted was to be loved and acknowledged for it. And tragically, (laughs) it happened a little too late. But I think they had so much heart just between the two of them, between the love coming from King Shark, the, the humor out of him. I think it had a lot of heart in a movie that I expected no hearts besides the ones we're seeing blowing up. So I, I'm going to go like a 4.25. Were you expecting Polka Dot Man to die in that moment? I once, once the camera panned out and you could see the full shot of just him on the street and it was kind of just him being small on this big street, you knew the, the tentacles coming down. But I was really hoping he wouldn't, especially right after that big superhero moment. He was the only one from Team B to go, so that kind of, that kind of killed me. Well, yeah. Peacemaker. Oh well, Peacemaker. Peacemaker's back. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> so no, I didn't. I didn't see that coming at all. I it, for me, it was like a millisecond before the tentacle tank came down. I was like, he's gonna die. Yeah. But not going into the movie or during the movie up until that point. Mm-hmm. Um, for Hart. Uh, I'm echoing all the all the same points that you said, Louis. Ratcatcher too, definitely the heart of the team. Loved her by the end of it. Um, the team had so much heart together. Like again, they don't they didn't have to outwardly shout it at you. You naturally felt 
the heart that was going on with that team uh, that they connected and they had a common goal, you know, together and they just gelled in their misfits. You know, James Gunn knows how to handle misfits like no other director. He's proving, you know, the Guardians of the Galaxy. He understands those characters like no other. The Suicide Squad, he understand he understands misfits like no other. And the whole fact that this was his complete unaltered vision, you could tell there was a lot of heart that he put into it and a lot of love and a lot of um what's the word? Just like a lot of positive energy, like I don't care about what anybody thinks, like this is my vision. You know, a lot of determination there. Uh I'm gonna go four point two five. All right. I'm going to go um I'm going to go pretty high on this one. I felt like the heart was there in this movie especially because they didn't like just go the we're family like we're misfits but we became family like I feel like so many movies go for that trope nowadays. I mean including Guardians of the Galaxy which is one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh but I'm glad that Suicide like Suicide Squad is not the place to just throw that trope without like giving some price to it. So I felt like you really felt this in this movie that you felt the family there, but not everyone in the group was part of that. And you're not going to, they're not all going to come out of it alive. Um, I thought it nailed that and nailed the, and like it just, everything worked. They, they hit the, they hit the tone really well. Um, the first one tried to hit that tone like, Oh, we're all villains, but we're family, but it like just kind of threw it at you. Um, and I don't know. It just, it, I thought this one had a lot of heart. I'm going to give this one a 4.75. Nice. Nick going pretty high. I know. I think this is, even without seeing the score, this is definitely going to be the highest uh, Popcorn Heist Report card. It definitely is. <laughs> All right. Well deserved. All right. The Jump final score is 90%. Hey. Nice. Nice. I think that's good. I think it's been pretty, I think the report card's been pretty faithful. I think that's pretty accurate. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> definitely. All right, you heard her here first. Ninety percent. Ninety percent, according to Popcorn Heist. Um, all right, closing remarks here. We all uh, clearly we all love this movie. Uh, I I really loved it. Um, I'd love to hear you guys. Uh, I know uh, Nick, you uh, you and I have not seen every single DCEU movie, but I'd love to hear general thoughts on like where this stacks up amongst the ranking. And then a separate question, just for fun, if this gets a sequel. Is there a villain that you'd like to see added to the Suicide Squad in the next movie? Um, I'll go first, so to give you guys some time to think about it, because I know I just sprung this question on you. Um, definitely bottom of the list, the original Suicide Squad for DCEU. Then it's kind of like theatrical Justice League. Um, then Wonder Woman 1984. <laughs> and... Um, then we got then Batman v Superman. Then probably I haven't seen Birds of Prey, so that won't be in this uh, ranking. Then Man of Steel, Shazam, Wonder Woman, Zack Snyder's Justice League, and this is definitely the best for me. And for a villain that I'd like to see added in a sequel, I don't know if he's been in it in the comics before, but I think he's just such a wacky villain that I'd love to see him in. Is the Mad Hatter from uh, Batman, who's like. If you don't know who he is, he's obsessed with Alice in Wonderland and kind of frames his crimes and stuff around that. That's a good one. I can't think of I can't think of a time that he was a part of the squad. So that would be really interesting to see. Louie, you go. I'm still thinking of a villain. <laughs> uh, so for for ranking, I think we might all share a bottom here with original Suicide Squad. And 
After that would probably be Justice League. Justice League. Original <laughs> theatrical cut. Uh, Birds of Prey. I, I hate being so harsh on it, especially with all the bad hands it was dealt. But I, I gotta put it next. Wow. Because I do love Batman v Superman. I, I love the Ultimate Cup more than the original, but I think either one I'm going to put right above Birds of Prey. That I got to follow up with Aquaman, which was a blast. Then Man of Steel. Wonder Woman. I may be a little biased because he is one of my favorite superheroes, but I got to put Shazam way up there because that just really captured who that hero is, whether you like the movie or not. If you didn't like the movie, you don't like Shazam. <laughs> and then Snyder Cut kicked butt. This is definitely the top of my list, though. Well, this is tough. And, uh, oh, if, you have to if, pick a villain. Oh, yeah. I think if I want if I want a villain for the squad to go against next time, I want it to be our surviving members of this one. Ooh. I want Waller to be salty and send some people out to get these guys back. In some way. I want a fresh team coming at them, but I'm dying to see Deathstroke on the team. That'd be sick. Oh, I'd love to see Deathstroke. And he's just the guy to send to get him. True. Very, very true. Oh, well, he's in the Snyder Cut, right? Deathstroke? Yeah. 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 Okay, okay. I'm not going to pick a good villain, guys. This is a tough question, Jake. <laughs> I'm sorry I sprung it on you. Um, I had to. I wanted to. I'm going to pick. I, I might not even answer. Um, <laughs> so for list, for I, I haven't seen Aquaman, Birds of Prey, or um, Shazam. My lowest is probably Justice League. I really don't like Justice League. Then probably Suicide Squad. Then Batman v Superman. I really do not like Batman v Superman. Then 1984. Then um, I feel like I'm. Oh, then Man of Steel. That's like a mid one. And then the top one, honestly, the top ones are kind of close for me. It might be, um, oh, these top, I, I, do I, only, I only have three left, right? I think it's, these are very close for me. I might say, um, the Suicide Squad, then Wonder Woman, then maybe the Snyder Cut. I like love wow. the Snyder Cut. Wow. <laughs> I don't know. Those three are all really close though. Um, I love Wonder Woman as well. Um, yeah, for villains, uh, <laughs> this is hard. Um, I don't know. Catwoman. <laughs> Random. It's the only anti-hero I could think of. That's a that good hasn't pick, been mentioned. <laughs> That'd be cool. I mean, I and that. Hathaway comes back. <laughs> <laughs> I think in uh, Robert Pattinson's Batman movie that's coming out next year, it's going to be uh, Zoe Kravitz as... Oh, you know, I mean, what a villain I love that I'd never want to see on the Suicide Squad is Steppenwolf. I loved him in the Snyder Cut. I hated him in the original Justice League. I was like, worst villain I've ever seen in my life. And then the Snyder Cut, I was like, oh, I love him. He's a baddie. Yeah, (laughs) talking about character glow-ups. Yeah, that's a good one. Definitely, for sure. Well, the Suicide Squad at 90% from Popcorn Heist. You heard it here first. So, everyone, thank you, Louie, for coming on the show with us today. Go follow at King Louie Comics on TikTok and Instagram. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me again. Yeah. Happy to have you, man. And uh, Louie has joined the heist and you should as well. Yes. Yes. Because it's a blast. (laughs) (laughs) All right, everyone. Join the heist. 